Hello and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef podcast. Today's guest is a content creator, a community manager, a former computer engineer, all the way from Utah in the United States. His name is Sammy Davis. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me. I'm extremely excited to be here. Oh, no, there's pressure now. <laughs> I'm just a guy with a microphone, man. I don't know what you expect. <laughs> Same here. We have so much in common. <laughs> no, I mean, it's funny you say that, actually. Um, I, I, really, I really enjoy doing this show, and I have done... I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, because when I first started it, it was... I was still trying to figure it out. I was still trying to understand like what this show is. And even to this day, when people ask me, I... I will just kind of automatically say, okay, it's a discussion show. It's an interview show. It's a general conversation. But I think the key thing I'm trying to get to is, is like life stories and tapping yeah. into, to like what, what makes people tick, you know, cause that's where you get like the real interesting stuff. Cause everyone has a fascinating life. doesn't matter who you are. You know, I've had people on the show that, you know, they'll turn around and be like, Oh, my life's not that interesting and then we have an amazing conversation and to me the <laughs> the important things are like being a, a wanting to have a conversation that's key like wanting to True. and two, uh you know get just getting comfortable getting in a place where you feel you know relaxed and able to have a conversation and three um it, the idea actually came for me from like about a year or two ago when I was thinking about like, you know, if I ever had a, like a celebrity on the show, for example, like how would I interview them? Because, you know, there's going to be like a million things that they've already answered, whatever. So how would you approach it? And in my mind, it's like, okay, well, you, you ask them about what they're passionate about and you get to know them on a deeper level. You don't ask the stuff you'd expect to know. You try and, you know what I mean? And yeah. that's, I try to apply that to every single show now. Um, I will, of course, have like those generic questions, talking points, you know, but I'm, I, I don't, I'm not even really looking for an answer for those particular things. I'm trying to just kind of get to the interesting stuff and then get, get a conversation flowing. And then that's when you get to the good stuff. Um, well, just to warn you, I, uh, I have limited social interactions, <laughs> so I might just have an honesty dump within the first five minutes i might just blurt out a bunch of embarrassing things and uh you might love it and i'll be sitting there thinking about it later thinking why did i say that why did i say any of that <laughs> so so what you're saying is you're a bit of an overthinker oversharer is that right yes to both yes to both <laughs> overthinking is one of my specialties uh every ex that i've had will complain that I will go into uh, silence. I, I will essentially shut my mouth, look out a window, and close myself off. And they think that I'm avoiding them or that I'm upset. And what's actually happening is my brain has taken over and it is essentially said, where can I point my eyes so that I'm not distracted and my brain just processes whatever is going through. Uh, and I, I usually can't tell them what I'm thinking about because I don't know what I'm thinking about. It's just a string of ideas that just keep coming through. Some of them will stick and that's how I sometimes make content. Uh, most of the time I'm just overthinking in general, just overthinking about whatever is happening in the world. 
when did it start for you when did you start kind of overthinking and then recognizing maybe it's a bit of a problem um <laughs> i would say junior high <clears throat> okay. i was young i was uh maybe 13 14 somewhere around that age uh i was one of those gifted ch children where uh, academics came easy. So usually I wouldn't be paying attention in school um, <laughs> because it got boring. I already knew what they were talking about. So I would think about other things uh, and I would get called out for it. And the problem with, you know, living in your own head is that as a reflex, you're not very good at answering whatever question was asked to you, but given 30 seconds to process and think about it, it's pretty easy to, to get back on subject and say, okay, I know what we're talking about, but I would get in trouble because teachers would want the reflexive answer. They would want to know what year was the fall of Rome. And I, you know, I would need to look that up or think about it at that time. <laughs> I had a similar problem in school as well, except it was different for me. I, I was frustrated with certain subjects and um, I was very argumentative and rude, um, but I was just frustrated. I was just frustrated, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's the problem when you, when you, cause school is, is frustrating for us all. Cause it's just so poorly managed and, you know, it, it's just stupid to have like one thing um, and expect everyone to, um, operate within the confines of this way of thinking and way of approaching things and it's archaic as well like for instance mm -hmm. there's, pe there's people in my community that are 16 now and they're doing their GCSEs uh, shout out to Mads and um, she won't watch this she doesn't listen to the podcast <laughs> shout out to her and um, I'm hearing her talk about it like you know like uh, the difficulty she's having with it just how frustrating it and she's a really really smart girl um so she'll she'll have no problems when the grades eventually come but she's having frustrations with it and i'm hearing like the things she's saying i'm like oh my god like it, it hasn't changed in when i do my gcse's uh like 15 years ago 10 years ago whatever and mm -hmm. that's the thing it was dated when i was at school mm -hmm. and, and again it goes on and on. like it's probably dated back to like the 70s or something they just keep like the same education system and tweak things here and there but there's there's wider problems and i feel like there's very few teachers i mean okay maybe it's changed these days but back when i was at school there was very few teachers that actually wanted to teach you and i remember um my mum once said to me, uh, you know, sometimes when we'd be arguing, because um, I, was, I was a smart kid, and, and she knew that. And I think th there were times, I remember once she, she turned around to me, a few times she turned around to me and said this, where she'd be like, what did I just say? And then I'd, I'd, repeat, I'd repeat it back to her verbatim, and she'd be like, but what did I mean? Yep. <laughs> and I was just like, ah, because that's, and that's the key. That's what real listening is you're not listening for the words that are being said you're listening for the deeper meaning and that's to an extent what the teachers are trying to do as well but then again it depends if they're really trying mm -hmm. to reach you then more often not you will give them your time of day because you realize they're trying to do that but when it's as you say reciting facts from books and it's boring and there were so many kids i met like yourself who lived in their own world and it it would frustrate me as well because um they would the school was trying to push them into a box like i remember there was yep. a, there was a kid that i i met who 
was an amazing artist. And I'd say to him all the time, oh, you, dude, you've got to turn this into a comic, got to turn it into a comic. And he'd always, he's very like, nonchalant, like, yeah, yeah, you know, it is a, it is a comic, like, I'll turn it into a comic, whatever, you know. Like, you, you knew he was going to do something with it. But he would be sitting there, like, in maths doing this. We were in the same maths class. And we were both crap at maths. I think he's a bit better than me, but, like, we were both shit. And um, he was always so good about it. And we would talk about his art from time to time. And he'd tell me how frustrated he was in art class because they'd constantly be telling him, you have to do this, this, and this, and forget the stuff you're doing now. And it's like, but I want to do this. Yeah. And it's, it's always that trying to put you in a box. What is that? Yeah. You know, I, uh, I have been struggling with that very question a lot recently. Um, I've been having some uh, employment issues and I, I am starting to think that the problem is me, that I am too me for my own good uh, because I don't, I don't like to sugarcoat things. I don't like to say um, what people want to hear. I like to say what is true uh, or at least true for me. And if it is incorrect, I would like to hear why it is incorrect, as opposed to just espousing the views of someone else because that's what they want to hear. Um, and it seems as though school is teaching us to be prepared for a work environment where our bosses will want us to be miniature versions of them. So we need to learn early to be miniature versions of the teachers who are our current bosses so that later in life we can mirror other people more accurately. Uh, and I've, you know, I've been studying um, Taoism as a spiritual philosophy, and one of its key points is to remove yourself to find the truest version of yourself. So instead of saying, well, I desire to be this way, or I, I think I'm this type of person, you instead just kind of empty your brain of all the noise, which is extremely hard for a person like me, and just speak off, you know, off whatever comes to mind, just let it out and see where it goes. Uh, you essentially trust the, I don't remember all the psychology terms, I think it was like uh, id is the deepest one. You trust that voice as opposed to trusting the ego. You disconnect from self to find true self and true self may not be very attractive to a lot of people you know it may not be the best thing in the world uh but at the same time i think everybody's got a right to exist in this world everyone's got a special and unique voice and if we say oh certain voices cannot be heard i don't know i think it puts us into deeper problems you know why do you think you're the problem? I mean, um, that's so I think I am struggling to find work because uh, I know what people want from a worker and I just don't want to be that. And so there, you know, the little voice in my head says, well, if you know the answer, then do the answer. But then another voice in my head is like, but you don't believe in the answer. The answer sucks. Do the answer you believe in. Be yourself, not who they want you to be. Yeah. I mean, sounds to me like the issue is more that you just need to find like 
your people and the right place to work or, or maybe even set up your own thing. I mean, this yeah, is, that might be nice. <laughs> dude, 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 this is something I can relate to. Um, I spent many years doing customer service jobs and then I did corporate marketing and now, now I'm freelance. Now I work for myself and I still have clients and I have to deal with a little bit of that corporate stuff, but it's on my terms. I can leave whenever I want. I'm freelance. And I was scared to take that leap quite honestly mm. um, for years. And then I took it and the more important thing I learned from it, which I think relates to your situation and, and where you're at in your life is I took that leap into something that I was scared of. I was scared of, cause I thought, and I said this in the last show that there was this fear in my mind, like, Oh, there'll be no job security. Like, Oh, you know, yeah. security. And it's like the, the reality is there's no security in any job, anything you do in life. There's no security. There's no such thing. Um, That's true. You can train yourself to be careful with money. You can train yourself to, I think, I think a better idea these days. And this is what the advice I always give people is to just, maximize your revenue opportunities across all boards try like you know the, the old expression don't put all your eggs in one basket try to spread them everywhere you know see work more as like a field of opportunities as opposed to just like i have a job i mean it's not the 50s you know you, you don't work mm -hmm. in a job till you die and you get a golden watch and then they kick you out the door like life isn't like that anymore and even when it was it sucked because it's like you yeah. And that's the thing, you made a good point before about how the school system is designed to train workers. Well, that's a really big problem because society is, is different now. Um, you've got all these ideas of like pushing people to be entrepreneurs, pushing empowerment, pushing this, pushing that. That contradicts with go to university, get a job, go to da, 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 da. like, and I mean, for instance, look at the job market. Um, I, I, I wager it's probably the same in the States as it is here in the UK, where it used to be that, you know, staying in a company for a long time was, was a good thing, you know, and, and now it's like, nah, I mean, two years or a year and a half is considered too long. Almost it's anywhere from six months to a year. Yeah. Especially if it's the same position for that period of time. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it's just life has changed. The world has changed. And with that in mind, I mean, look, look at what the, the pandemic showed us. It showed us that, you know, we don't need to work in offices anymore. Who says like, you know, there um like and all the productivity studies showed that working from home is way more productive. I, I can speak mm -hmm. to that. I, I work remotely and I get way more done than I ever did working in offices. Cause and you know the funniest part about that is like a lot of people that contradict and say that, you know, working in the office is more productive. Those people clearly never worked in the offices I had to work in where people were like yep. shouting and screaming and it's too loud. Like I, had to, I had to go to other floors of like offices just so I could get some peace so I could get mm -hmm. my work done. I'm old enough to, uh, to have been my first full-time job, which you know really wasn't that long ago, but it was as a writer and everybody had a desktop, which meant you worked at your cubicle you did your eight hours of writing at a specific place. And it was frustrating because writers are social uh, yeah. most of the time. And I tend to think of work as a punishment. <laughs> like I am, I am in prison for eight hours and the way to get out of prison is to do my job for those eight hours so that no one can say he didn't do enough when I decide to leave after eight hours is finished. 
So I would be at work and people would come up and they'd want to chat about whatever movie came out or uh, sometimes sports, but I don't like sports. So usually it was very easy to uh, drown them out when they would talk sports because I'm like, I don't care. But it was still a distraction to hear human voices laughing and chatting and having a good time. And I don't spite them for having a good time. I just couldn't get work done in that environment. So about two years into that job, we got laptops and no one was at their desk. It was a complaint from management. They could never find us at our desk. And it was like, because we're untethered, we're free. Some of us want to work in a coffee shop. Some of us want to work in a library. One dude wanted to work in uh, in front of the office building underneath a tree. (laughs) We just found the places that we like to work. And even though the managing editors did not understand that work environment, productivity shot up, you know. It used to be one uh, set of articles needed to be turned in within three weeks and then we would move on to the next thing. Once we got laptops and could work on our own schedule, we would get our work done within a week or a week and a half. And so we needed more work to write about. And uh, it shouldn't have been seen as a threat that we had become more productive with freedom. But there's still people today who are like, you need to be in the office for most of the day. Otherwise, how do we know? It's just a control thing, man. It's no different mm. from school. Like, I'm mm. sorry, but when they would turn around and be like, you need to be at school and you need to study from these hours to these hours. And this is the most productive way to do the bullshit. School, yeah. would be, school would be so much better if it was like three, four hours a day. Because I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. if, if it was, let's say it was hypothetically, it was like four hours or five hours, something like that, right? I'm willing to put money on the fact that it would be much more productive. And actually, I reckon school kids would actually enjoy school more. If, if, it, was, if it was changed, switched up, I think, I think a key thing as well is adapting to lots of different people. Like, in this, like school is a great metaphor for, for how the workplace should, should be. And like, they, they both can be changed in many ways. Because in a good workplace, they will embrace who you are and how you work and adjust to you, mm-hmm. not, not the other way around. Like if you mm-hmm. constantly have to adjust yourself to, to someone else, they're not really getting the best return on their investment. And school is the yeah. same. Like the, company, yeah. the company I work for, like I butt heads a little bit with certain people, but at the end of the day, like we have the same goals and, we, and it's, it's a healthy dialogue. You know, like I'll say what I think, they'll say what they think. You know, they're my, they're my like I'm, beholden to them as far as like the contract is concerned so it's like okay i will do what they say but i'll at least tell them what i think and why i think okay this might work this might not work um but then we we go ultimately with what, what they want and it, it work at least there's that platform and, and there's that conversation yeah. it's not like school where they're like no shut up do what you're told like that's <laughs> you're just going dumb. to the principal <laughs> well, because that's the thing it, it, if you employ someone, you should be, you know, employing them with the idea that you're taking on their knowledge and expertise and everything. Like yeah. it shouldn't, it shouldn't be. Otherwise, you're just renting someone's carcass, and you know. See, and I think most sludge. jobs are just renting someone's body, their physical form. Right. Uh, 
because in their eyes, they have the perfect process. They just need someone to do said process. I, I will add to that, though. It, it depends on the job. You know, if, it does. If it's, it does. Yeah, if it's like working in a supermarket or Amazon fulfillment center or something, I, I understand. You know, it's it, you got A to B, whatever. And you know what? Like, I think it speaks to the different types of people we are. I know people that have worked in you know things like retail for years and they love it. Mm-hmm. Hospitality and they love it. Great. But here's the thing. You can't expect everyone to love the same thing. Yeah. I've met the flip reverse. I met people that absolutely hate the office, prefer practicality, practical, prefer more like physical jobs and vice versa. Um, mm-hmm. We're all different and we all need to go for what works for us and what makes sense for us. And that's exactly how school should be. And bringing it back to yourself. I mean, yeah, I don't think the issue is you. I think the issue is, is, you know, finding places that that work for you you know i agree with that i agree with that completely and it's interesting that you bring it up because i think a lot of the issues that we are dealing with today all trace back to this idea of a monoculture where humans need to fit into what we have well what someone has decided is the correct culture And humans are just too different to do that. That's what makes us great as a species is that we are uh, highly individualistic yet able to work as a a community. And it's through that individual uh, nature of our being that we're able to see problems differently and offer solutions in a way that someone else never would have thought of. And so if we've got a system that says, no, we need people thinking this way, we're limiting ourselves. We're, we're getting rid of everything that made us great to begin with. Yeah, I mean, I covered this a little bit in, I, I did a, a, um, a standalone episode. Sometimes I do topic-based episodes where I just speak at length on a topic. And I spoke about um, multipotentiality and polymathy. And um, are you familiar with those? Just no okay basically quick rundown (laughs) so basically multi-potentiality is just another way of saying someone who has like skills and interests in a lot of different areas and then polymathy is like being an expert in all those different fields so for instance if someone is like a an accomplished writer and also a singer uh then maybe you could call them a, um, a polymath and historically okay. there used to be this idea of the renaissance man you know this idea that you, most people in society were expected to be skilled in a range of different areas so it was an expectation particularly in europe that you you know spoke several languages could write were an accomplished musician an orator whatever like all these different things and society changed and obviously for many many years hundreds of years we lived in the age of the specialist and you know that is very clear and still exists in the in form of things like you know being an electrician being a plumber whatever you know it's there's always going to be room for specialism but society at large and many jobs out there expect people now to be um i suppose polymaths or, or multi-potentialites in the you know, you're expected to, to do a lot of different things and be a master in all those things. And that's yeah. just, that's not realistic. Um, yep. you, you, it's possible to be, to, be, to be good in several areas. But I think, and, you know, especially in the workplace, like you think about any project management things, you've been involved in any teams, like 
the best teams are a collection of people that are experts in different fields. You come together and it's like, okay, we'll share ideas from our unique um, specialisms or whatever. And we, and we come together and we create something, but we go away and work on that thing ourselves. Right. And, and like, like I've seen it so many times when like, if, if you try and get everyone on the same page, like you go like, Oh, sales. Um, do you have some ideas for the IT guys? Like what? No, like, <laughs> no, like, I mean, th- like if it's like an open forum, like we need ideas, everyone please contribute. I get that. But it's like, to a certain extent, like if you're a specialist in a particular area, it makes sense to, to stay in that lane and, and focus on that. Right. Um, and, and I think if you don't, if you don't do that, it can become very convoluted and it can, you know, just waste time and, and it's just, it doesn't work. Uh, but as you said, like when we come together and we come together in a way that embraces the things that we're able to offer, then we're able to, to share that. And in any team situation you've ever been in, like, you know, I know you said you hate sports, but sports is a good example, you know, because it's like, everyone has their positions and they, yeah. and they focus in those positions, but then they also come together as a team and, and, you know, they do attacks, they do defense, they, they move together as a unit and they have like a shared understanding of their roles and how they fit in the team and how they work together to achieve their goals. And it's, it's no different in, in work and school and whatever, but yeah, as you said, like every human being is different and, you know, I, I had it. I had. I, I still. You know, I've said this on a podcast quite a few times. Um, so I do apologise for repeating this, but it makes me laugh all these years later thinking about the things they said to me in school. Like, you talk too much, Christian. You need to stop talking too much. You need to stop asking <laughs> questions. Stop asking questions. You ask too many questions. Imagine that. Imagine. Yeah. The, the thing we need to do as human beings, ask questions and expand our knowledge. You're doing was, too much of that. That's the thing. It was, it was all designed for what you said, to, to, to put you in a, in a box and keep you there. And, and that's what they expect you to do because they want to prepare you for the nine to five. Well, you know, look, not everyone's going to work a nine to five. Not everyone's going to do shift work. Like I've, I've done both and I hate them both. And I did mm-hmm. them. I, I did them to my, the best of my ability, but it was soul destroying and it wasn't me. And that's why I'm pursuing, you know, acting, voice acting, music, podcasting, whatever. Like, and it's not conventional. It's not easy. Uh, it's a different life. And I, I have accepted that. And it's scary. Sure. But it's, I've accepted that yeah. I can't do, if I don't do that, I can't be happy in life. And I think going back to the, the bigger point of all of this is that, you know, you got, you, you said it, you got, you got to be true to who you are. You can't be something you're not. You have to be who you are. And if you find yourself in those situations, like you said, like you, you're going into these jobs and you're thinking, Oh, maybe I'm the problem. You know, I'm just not fitting into this. No bullshit. Like, sure. We need to grow and change as, as human beings yeah. all the time. But it's like, when you're a kid and you've got a puzzle set and you put the try to force a piece where it doesn't belong it's like that's not your fault you know mm-hmm. it can't it can't maybe that was a bad analogy but you know it's <laughs> you know like it's I, not I the piece's fault maybe <laughs> that it yeah. didn't fit where it doesn't belong <laughs> exactly yeah it, it's like when i started like chasing the things that felt right for me like acting and voice acting and like I have so much fun with it 
like so much fun it yeah. feel it feels right um you know i've done i've done some live streams recently where i've kind of because you know, i you know i go back and forth i've had quite a tumultuous couple of years and there's been a lot a lot of life lessons learned but i think the key is understanding exactly who you are what is it that i offer what and not just in work but in life because i think that those things go hand in hand i know sometimes people go oh life private life and work life are two separate things yes they are but how you approach them isn't necessarily um different because you're still that same person there is different side of you you know obviously there's professionalism mm -hmm. and you know, business christian for instance is different from personal christian but uh, at the same time that that zest for life that you might have is is going to be the same across all boards and and that's how it should be you know um, um i always i always just think that life is is much better when you truly embrace who you are and i feel like it gets easier you know life is always going to be tough and it's always going to throw you yeah challenges but you you you're still going to be able to make the best of the situation if you're embracing exactly who you are yeah i definitely can see all of that you know i uh, it's funny that you mention all this now i'm starting to think maybe i'm like a year behind you in terms of life because <laughs> i am going through the shit if you forgive my my foul language but uh you know thing life has all these ups and downs and I am putting a smile on my face as personally, I feel like I'm at one of my bottoms. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Well, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, uh, I've, I've had a lot of performance training and whatnot. And, and one of the things that I was taught, at least in radio, is that even if life sucks, if you put a smile on your face, your energy will go up and you're more likely to succeed at whatever you're doing, in my case being performance. I, uh, if you, if you had the patience for it, and this is to anyone who is, uh, listening on my TikTok, if you scroll far enough down, um, and you find that I still have a long beard, uh, you'll hear that I'm, I sound very depressed. I sound very down. Um, and it's because I was, and I didn't know how to hide it. Uh, and I don't always know how to hide it. Uh, I don't know if I always should hide it. But if I want to entertain people, if I want to get someone smiling, if I want to tell a joke that gets someone to laugh, I at least have to put a smile on my face. You know, it's it's the sad clown thing where like, uh, like yeah, the the clown is sad, but you still laughed at him and that was really all the clown needed <laughs> at least for me <laughs> this is a interesting point that you raise because it's actually again something I, I connect with you on um i think well firstly i don't think you should ever be hiding or, or trying to put your pain into a box and put it away like you got to embrace that shit man like that's you gotta embrace like, it so now. Yeah, well, <laughs> you gotta you gotta embrace it now. It becomes a bigger problem later. You know, it's it's like true. And 
Yeah, I don't, I don't believe in all that stuff that society tells us, like, you know, keeping it in and like, it will just go away eventually. Bullshit. Like, and, and you, there's a lot of stuff counter, counter active to that, that that has come out in more recent decades that says, you know, you should let it out and, you know, you, you, things will get easier if, if you do that. And it's when it comes to being a content creator like yourself, I mean, this, this is what I do is to just if it if it gets that bad take time for yourself to you know go yeah. away for a while be, be be at one with yourself reconnect embrace it you know if you need to cry cry if you need to be angry be angry whatever and come back when you've you know feel yourself again because i do agree with you like, and i've i've said this to, to my community online that one of the mistakes i've made is to come sometimes online when I'm not feeling at my best and, and, and for selfish reasons, like I actually came sometimes to do lives when live streams, when, uh, when I've been at my lowest points, because I actually wanted to feel better. And I thought by doing that, I might feel better. And sometimes that's true, but most of the time it's not because you can't, you know, I think we're kind of similar people in that we, we wear our heart on our sleeve and you can't hide that. Yeah. And because of that, it's like, obviously you have people that care about you online that subscribe to your stuff and stuff and they look at that and they're like, Oh, what's wrong? And then you bring them down. And that's, yep. okay. and it's, okay. It's, okay. it's okay in the sense that like, those are good people just trying to be supportive. And, but it's like, See, and I hate bringing anyone down. Like right, I same, just, same. I, I'm fine with, being miserable and i am fine with opening up to friends about being miserable right yeah, yeah, yeah but when i am trying to entertain like if i'm going on twitch uh i do that four nights a week i've got to bring the energy up i don't know if a stranger is going to watch me for the first time you know what i mean and so i don't want them to come away thinking okay the type of content this guy makes is relatable, but it's relatable in a way that's kind of bringing me down. I want to be relatable, but I'd rather be relatable in a way that puts a smile on your face. And, uh, and you know, it, does it suck that I feel dishonest at times when I'm like, I can't tell people that I'm frustrated by this or that? Sometimes it does, but in other cases, it helps immensely. Uh, I don't have a troll problem. I say that now and who knows, maybe next week suddenly I'll have a bunch of trolls. But it's because I took uh, something away from community management, which is to not engage. Um, if someone has a problem with me personally, I will try to figure it out. But if they're just coming at me because they don't like what I had to say, I just ignore it. I don't delete it. I don't like it i don't comment on it i know i usually don't do a video reply but i did do one and i feel a little guilty about it um i i just like a duck i just let it run like water off my back i would rather uh not believe they exist and i think that if i allowed my depression to take charge like if i if i was a bit more open about when I am down, I think I would be a bit more combative. I think I would, I would want to pick more fights, especially with trolls, because I would be like, ah, 
you came at me when I am miserable, and now I will come at you with with all of my anger. And that's just not my brand, you know. Like I'm I'm aiming for positivity uh, and kindness, and so even though you know I'm suffering from depression, it could be a lot worse for what I'm aiming for if I really engaged with it in the way that I used to, you know. Yeah, I agree. I, I disagree with your point about it being dishonest. I think if if you're going like you can never tell if um you're going. F- how can I phrase this? Um, sometimes, yeah, life, you just go through stuff and you got to continue. Like, and I've said this on lives before, like if, if things get too much in my personal life or my life in general, I just, I do less online. Like you just won't see mm-hmm. me for a while. I won't do stuff as much um, until things settle down, down. And, you know, one of the mistakes I was making, as I said before, was was coming online, feeling that way and, and bringing people down or or just just not, as you said, like doing what you promised, like, and everyone has a different brand of, co- of stuff that they do. But I think sounds to me like we're quite similar people in that like most, <laughs> most, of, most of the time we're this high yep. energy, positive, <laughs> right. But then the, de- the danger with, with being a high energy, positive person is that when the low hits, oh my fuck, is it low? Like, yeah. because, because it's, it- it's like all or nothing. There's no yep. in between. It's it's like Evo. And if people came to bad. you when you were up here, and now they're seeing you down here, right? They start thinking like, "Oh man, something is wrong." And it's like, "No, I'm a human being, and I have ranges." <laughs> and you usually get to see this upper range where energy is high, and I am doing well. Uh, but every once in a while, you know. I'm, the other signs will come out. Uh, one of the things that, that I have not experienced, and I have to tell people this often because I, I worry that it's going to happen. Um, I'm not a big physical touch guy, like, especially with strangers. Uh, so, you know, I'm all about knuckles, but when a new person starts talking to me, my natural reaction is to think, what did I do wrong? Like, what, what are they about to yell at me about? <laughs> because, the, you know, the only interactions I've had for most of my life, especially with strangers, have been either judges or bosses or management. And usually when they get brought into the conversation, it's because I'm a problem. So I've got this shield that I keep up. And, uh, and so, I, you know, you see me online and I'm vivacious and easygoing. Even if I'm in a good mood, if I've never spoken to you before and you come up to me in person, that shield is going way up. I, I'm probably not going to say much. I might smile and, and nod, but for the most part, I'm sitting here thinking, all right, when's the other foot going to drop? When, when are they going to say, but there was this one time and you made it all miserable. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. life life does weird things to us. It trains us in different ways. <laughs> no, I get what you mean. I, used to, I I suffer from anxiety, and I've had, I still have this thing. I mean, I'm managing it a little bit better now. But when there's a confrontation, um, my body just goes into like shock, um, mm-hmm. and it comes from childhood, and it's kind of. <laughs> 
it's it's ridiculous. Um, I won't go into details about it because I've been I've spoken about it many times on the show before. Yeah. Um, suffice it to say, what happens in your childhood and in your early years, I mean, pay attention to that because that's that really does shape how you become as an adult. And I think I think it's it's one thing I've I've learned recently is is you know you really got to just be kind to everyone and patient with everyone. Because you just have no idea like what they're going through, what they've been through, et cetera. And, you know, like. Well, and frankly, you don't know who's watching you. That's true. Um, So there's there's two sides to it. There is the side of you don't know what what they are going through, which is a huge side of it. Um, People have bad days and Mm. no one wants to be judged for their bad days because the next day they're having a good day and if you come up and you're like you were a total bastard they're gonna be like dude you just brought me down i'm having a good day i'm vibing i'm i'm relaxing i'm having a great time and you're telling me i'm a bastard like screw that noise so in the same way that you don't know what other people are going through or what their normal is you also got to remember you don't know who's watching and you might be coming into confrontation thinking i will be superman and i will save the day you might have eyes on you and they're seeing lex luther running in and ruining everything you know so i uh, i am pretty conflict averse but when i do get involved usually the attitude that i take is i don't know all the information and none of this uh, is going to matter next week. At least that's the hope, you know? <laughs> there are obviously situations where it matters in a week. Um, but in most situations, most conflicts, you know, it's, it's something fairly mundane that we have allowed ourselves to get really upset about. Um, and if you find yourself involved, you are involved at the point where it has become an issue, mm. but it may not actually be an issue. It's just our, our emotions have gotten pretty heated and it's hard to step away and, and reassess what's going on. So I don't know. I try to aim for even keel and chill at most points. Can I tell you what I saw yesterday? Go for it. This is also going to explain a bit of my trauma because I don't like to get involved. Um, I had to get my car registered. We do it every year. Um, it's, it sucks because it's expensive. At least with my old car, it was so expensive. So I, I brought headphones. I, uh, I had a podcast I was listening to. I think it was My Brother, My Brother and Me. So a comedy podcast. I'm, I'm having a good time. Um, and then I hear uh, voices raising as people are yelling at each other. And I look over and I see one of the managers yelling at a customer and the customer's like, I was here last year and it was the same thing that time and blah, blah, blah. And, and this employee is like, you were just yelling at my regional manager about this. And what is my regional manager going to do? They're going to kick you out and tell you to go somewhere else. Like you're not going to get your problem solved by acting this way. And I'm just like, you're right, but I don't want to listen to this. So I had to turn my podcast up and 
do the best I could to not only not be involved, but not watch it. You know, it's just, we train ourselves to react to these things in different ways. And my training says, don't get involved. <laughs> Keep your head down and let things happen. I know what you mean. Yeah. I, my, I'm either one or the other. I'm either like risk averse like yourself and just like, oh, please let me get out of here. Or if it's interesting, sometimes I might kind of just casually unhook a headphone, <laughs> casually look around. Here's the thing. What <laughs> makes it interesting for me is intoxicants. Like if I'm at the bar, the Sammy on this podcast doesn't exist. Um, if I'm at a bar and I can hear you talking, chances are I want to be involved in the conversation because alcohol has said, everyone wants to talk to me. <laughs> and alcohol has lied, but that's what it said. So I have gotten into conflicts in bars, never physical altercations. I've been in one fight in my life and I lost. Um, and, you know, despite being a pretty large dude, I just don't like hurting others. Yeah. I really don't like doing that. Uh, so I'd rather lose a fight than, than hurt someone. Um, so in a bar situation, I'll just let my mouth just go, go, go. And uh, maybe my mouth ends up hurting people, but I didn't realize it at the time because I was a little bit too drunk. Um, I mean, the intoxicant I prefer is, is greens and it's because it, it allows me to maintain kindness. <laughs> like what is that? If I'm greens. drunk, I'm uh, weed. Oh, sorry. Marijuana. Oh. <laughs> All right. I thought, I thought it was like a brand of, of alcohol. No, yeah. no, I was, I was using slang. I apologize. Greens, um, the greens. <laughs> I, I prefer kindness and I have found of the intoxicants that I usually do. Weed is the one that allows me to maintain kindness, but also allows me to step outside of my comfort zone and have conversations with strangers without feeling like, what are they thinking about me? What are they going to do? What are they going to say later? Uh, Cause none of that matters. You know, I will never hear what they say later. I will never know what they are thinking about me. Um, I can come back and listen to this podcast and hear what was said again, but I don't know what's in your brain. And I definitely don't know what's in the brain of someone listening right now, you know, mm. and it doesn't matter. What matters is that I represented myself in any situation in a way that I still feel like I was honest and truthful to me, you know, always yeah. comes back to honesty. <laughs> it's interesting you say that. I was on Reddit the other day and I was just looking at like various threads and someone asked in the ask Reddit thing, like, um, what stuff, you know, that you, uh, what, what stuff matters less as you get older. And one of the mm. things, one of the things was, uh, that one of the people said, and it was one of the top voted answers was just not caring about what people think. And it's, it's so true. Like you just, mm -hmm. when you stop caring about what people think and, and what they think of you and what they're thinking in the moment, it's, it's like a liberating feeling where you, you just realize that to what I, I realized two things. One, 
uh, people are not thinking about you as much as you think they're thinking about you. Yep. Like, like, maybe <laughs> I am one, rarely on people's mind. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe once in a blue moon, people bitch about you, or maybe they even say something positive about you. But most of the time, people are thinking about their own shit going on. Yep. They're, not, they're not thinking about you. Um, yeah. And that's, that's one part of it. But another part of it is like, even if they are thinking about you for better or worse, like why does it matter? It doesn't change yeah. what you're going to do. It doesn't change what you have done. It doesn't change anything. Like the only, mm -hmm. the only time that something that someone is thinking matters directly to you, I suppose, is when you're in like a situation like, I don't know, job interview, talent show, something like that. Maybe then it matters, but then you're not going to know unless they say it. So there's no point yeah. worrying about what they're thinking. Like, and you know? even what they say may not be everything. It may not be everything they were thinking. It may not be even honestly what they were thinking. Um, my, my, <laughs> my marriage, I'm, I'm divorced. Sorry. Uh, oh, it's fine. I'm so happy. <laughs> it's over. Like, okay. yeah it sucks to be single and it sucks to be lonely but so much better than being with that particular person <laughs> like um but one of the conflicts we had was you know she was always like you it's like you don't even care about what i'm thinking about and and i regularly had to say i'm not psychic and time away from her specifically has taught me that while I may not be psychic, perhaps what she needed was for me to be a bit more empathetic. And, okay. and that's a thing that I think that we can strive for mm. is trying to recognize other people's feelings um, and maybe getting to uh, the crux of why they are feeling any particular way. But I don't care what someone is thinking still. I only want to care about what they're feeling. Their thoughts may be uh, impacting their feelings or vice versa, but I will never know what their thoughts are. But if they've got a scowl on their face or if they're very tense in their body, I have hints as to what they're feeling. Um, and I can take those hints and, uh, you know, change the way I am going to approach the situation based on those hints. I think empathy is a far more approachable and attainable skill than becoming a psychic, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I've had quite a few people on the show discuss this this concept of empathy and, you know, something that I'm learning about every single day and, you know, we all make mistakes. Um, mm -hmm. But I totally agree. I think more often than not, that's what people are looking for. You know, like I had a bit of a mini debate with one of my housemates the other day about this. And I kind of said that like, more often than not, like when people want support, they don't want advice. They don't want your sympathy. They want to feel that you care and that yeah. you understand and that you're present. That's kind of like the three points of empathy. It's like, you know, you're there, you care, you're present. But yeah. aside from that, I mean, no, you don't have to know what they're thinking. You don't even have to have the answer. You just have to be mm -hmm. there, you know? Yeah. And that just blew my mind when someone told me that. Like, I actually learned this um, most recent lesson from, from a bit of an argument. I fell out with someone, and unfortunately, we didn't patch things up, but 
they were the way they were. Um, but I did learn a valuable lesson from them and they, cause they turned around to me and they said, Christian, I don't want you to say this or that. I just want you to, how does she put it? I was trying to find the words. <laughs> there was a particular way she put it that I think was kind of perfect. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it's like to recognize how she was feeling. To was like, oh, what was the particular? Oh, this is so frustrating. <laughs> well, it's like, acknowledge, acknowledge. Oh, okay. She wanted me to acknowledge how she felt. It's like to say things like "I understand how you feel," or "Yeah, I'm I'm sorry that you're feeling this way." Like, because as you said, feelings are more important than the thoughts. You know, the thoughts. Mm-hmm. Are, you know, like. The advice stuff, like, eh, I mean, most of the time people don't take people's advice anyway, but the, yeah. the feeling stuff is so, you, you can change someone's feeling just by paying attention and, and being present, maybe saying a few positive things or shifting their mindset with something else, or even just take distracting them, you know, like mm-hmm. bringing it back to you and what you do. Like when, you, when people come and, and look at your, your TikToks or your lives, you know, they're coming for entertainment they're coming for a laugh they're coming for for joy and and that is a form of escapism and and it can lift them back up you know if they were in a low place you've now brought them up to a happy place again and and now they can be all the best of themselves you know and it's so it's a valuable thing uh, to be able to 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 gift to the world and and to to bring people up again and you know I think I agree. Empathy is the same. You know, it's, it's not easy. Um, I'm always learning myself mm-hmm. and I don't think I'm great at it. I think sometimes I can be really good. Sometimes I'm just terrible at it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's, we, we're human, aren't we? We, you know, and, and we just have to try and keep getting better. Yeah. You know, it's, I'll say it like this. Um, thoughts are electrical. They happen quickly. Uh, and they can go away quickly, but feelings tend to be chemical and they stick around in your body. They process throughout your whole system. Um, if you're constantly trying to read someone's thoughts, uh, they move too quickly. They, they just get processed too fast. You'll never do it. You, you just won't do it. Even if you think you're a psychic, sorry, thoughts happen too quickly for you to keep up with all of them, but chemicals stick around and our body processes our feelings holistically. And so you can get those hints, you can get those clues as to where someone is at. Um, I can't tell people what those clues are because with different people, it's different, you know? Uh, People see me, a sweaty, fat, tall guy, and they're like, oh man, I, I bet he's this way. No, I'm just anxious. That's where the sweat is coming from and probably where the fat is coming from, like, I've. Ah, you're a good looking. (laughs) Yeah, well, I appreciate it. So, (laughs) but um, you know, I guess what I'm saying is like, I think that empathy allows people to feel seen where they are right now, and right now is all we ever have guaranteed. Mm. You know, we can never go back. We we can look with perfect clarity at the past, but we can never go back there. And when we look forward, there's a fog 
there, there's no trail before us. There's no signs to indicate which way to go. But right now, we have total and complete presence. And so if you can start picking up on people's uh, feelings, you will join them in the present. You will be living right now with them. I guess the goal is we all want to be Qui-Gon Jinn. That's really what it boils down to. We all want to be a great Jedi master. Which brings me on to uh, the way you look. Are you, are you, tr <laughs> are you trying to cosplay as, as Qui-Gon Jinn? Oh, that's funny. I've got to look at <laughs> what he looks like. I might have to trim my beard to no, 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 it no, off no, a bit. No, no. Does he have a long beard in episode he does. one? He has a... Okay. It's been a while since I've watched it. For me, episode one is my popcorn flick of the entire Star Wars franchise. I don't hate it. Uh, I know a lot of people my age and older hate the prequels. Uh, I only hate episodes two and nine. Um, Attack of the Clones and Rise of Skywalker. Those are the only ones that I think are just bad movies and it's hard to just watch them. Hmm. But episode one, you, you put in some popcorn, it's got bright lights, it's loud, it's got comedy, it's got action. I mean, they showed us what a lightsaber fight could be for the first time that's in true. episode one. Instead, instead of two old dudes just yep. poking sticks at each other, <laughs> which I still get a kick out of. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. I, I love that original I, I, trilogy. I, I love the original dialogue, dialogue as well. It's like, it's like oh, um, uh, when I was with you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. It's like, master of evil, da. Master of evil, <laughs> And calling him by his title as a first name. Like, oh man, there were so many things Star Wars didn't know. But they were taking a risk with episode one. And, uh, and while it's not a perfect movie, I still think about some of the things that Qui-Gon Jinn said throughout the movie like, like um, be mindful of the present you know there's always a bigger fish yes <laughs> <laughs> so many little quips and lines um i i had a Your couple of friends who were, well, Obi -Wan. Yes. <laughs> but do not let them yeah all that stuff a lot of people would point to taoism the uh tao meaning way or a path or something like that and they would say Taoism is a, a strong influence on the original idea of the Jedi. And while the Jedi have, you know, uh, changed as art changes, I can't help but look at them and think those are some Taoist warriors. Those are people who hide their weapons under their robes and they come into a situation with words. Uh, and most of their abilities especially combat-based abilities, are to push things away and to, you know, try to stop physical conflict. And then they finally pull out their lightsaber. And what do they use it for? To reflect blaster bolts. They're not even usually using it to attack. They're using it for defense. And I'm just like, yeah, I can see how you could point to these, some of these characters and be like, that's a Taoist warrior. I gotta That's ask. a great one. I gotta ask. There's this mm -hmm. guy that's done a few videos on YouTube. It's a while ago now, and he, his videos essentially are um, like why the Empire was right and why the Jed, why the Empire <laughs> are actually the the good guys, right? And I, I, the whole videos they are a piss take, but at the same mm -hmm. time, 
there is a lot of truth in them as well. Oh, and, yeah. and one of the things is that he kind of says that like the Jedi are like, massive hypocrites. Yeah. And, and they're very kind of, um, what's the word? Like, uh, you know, when you try and kind of impose your goodwill on others, but mm-hmm. by, by extension, you are being hypocritical, but also kind of being a bit elitist. There's a yeah, lot of that with a Jedi. Belief and then turn it into dogma. And that's the issue right. with, with the Jedi is that it has become dogma. Um, like I tell people, I mean, my religion is that I'm an atheist with a spiritual leaning towards Taoism. And I think that, that that is the way you're supposed to approach Taoism is that it's kind of your philosophy on the side. It is not your belief system. But there are people who saw it working and codified it and turned it into dogma and so now you've got a religion called Taoism and I think that that is reflected in Star Wars where Qui-Gon is told by Obi-Wan you would be on the council if you just did blah 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 and he's like that's that's not the way that's I am following the force I am I am connected with the force and now you know through Clone Wars and all these other things we we learned that Qui-Gon didn't die. He uh, became one with the Force in his afterlife and was able to uh, continue to communicate and blah, blah, blah. So he was living proof that dogma doesn't work. And it had the Jedi Order made him a, a council member, they would have had that voice that says, no, this dogma isn't working we need to go back to meditating and to being flexible and to being aware of the present and not trying to predict the future. We need to go back to the way it was and stop kidnapping children because children connect with the force easier. Instead, we should open ourselves up to the idea that you could find a kid in the desert and that kid in the desert should be a Jedi, Uh, but we just need to support that kid in the desert. So I don't know. I like. I love Qui-Gon Jinn. I, I think he is such a great Jedi master. He is such a good analogy of what was wrong with the Jedi at that period of galactic history and the reason why it is so easy for the Empire to defeat them because they essentially just get rid of dogma. They're like, you know what? Everything the Jedi said, gone. It's out. And look, we've got peace and stability. Granted, you have to deal with soldiers everywhere, but you've got peace and stability and an open economy. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where had they listened to one guy, one guy, everything would be different. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's so many what ifs in that series that just really entertain me. Like, oh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like a really good one. Like, um, oh yeah, like what if they just, just left Anakin on Tatooine? Just mm-hmm. fuck, fuck it. Just, you know, who cares? He's just, Young, yeah. some some boy who's very astute. Screw it, you know. I, you know what? I bet I I think his path still leads him uh, to becoming Darth Vader. Uh, and really? The reason what? for Just, that, but how? If if he never gets so, Tatooine, as we have seen through well, this yeah, yeah. It, this expanded universe, Tatooine is. Uh, a where crucial it's, it's just point. where it's happening apparently yeah. everything, everything on Tatooine yeah. <laughs> it's, it's essentially like um, you know if you go to Colombia where 
you're not anywhere near Brazil, but things are popping off in Colombia all the time. And you might think, well, we didn't even come anywhere close to where things are supposed to be happening. Sorry, man, that's just where the highlights are. I think because you've got the gang activity, you've got um, so many different cultures using Tatooine as a port, either uh, to ship goods and services or uh, to move through the systems. It's just such a centralized location that eventually Anakin gets frustrated with being a slave, even when um, his mother is sold. Mm. And in this universe, he would be sold with her. Right. He doesn't take that as freedom. He takes that as, uh, you know, being a slave somewhere. I think he joins uh, one of the gangs and eventually gets the eye of the emperor and becomes Vader without a Qui-Gon Jinn and an Obi-Wan influencing how he thinks of things. And in that situation, when we get to uh, Return of the Jedi, we would have an Anakin with no interest of returning to the light side of the Force. We have an Anakin who has uh, completely disassociated from other people. And so even if Luke is not a Skywalker, when you get to that New Hope Jedi coming down to finally face the Emperor, there's no reason for Darth Vader to break away and rescue the new Jedi. So that's where I go. I think he still turns into Darth Vader, but he's worse. <laughs> I think if that would happen, there's no way that Luke would beat him at all. Mm-hmm. Just, it just it'd just be end end of it. And I don't know, I, I kind of like when the bad guys win. <laughs> like, I do too. I do too. That's what you, makes if, Empire so great. That's if why, you play that's um, why I... there, there's there's a there was a computer game in I think like 2002, 2003, or is around the time that Revenge of the Sith, because I love, I personally, I love Revenge of the Sith, I thought it was brilliant. I do too. Um, I love, that's my favorite of the new trilogy. <laughs> yeah, same, same, same. And um, there was a video game that came out, which was amazing. It was episode three, and you got to do all of the lightsaber battles, plus like in sort of stuff in between. It was brilliant. And Right. And when you, spoiler, I mean, it's been 20 years, but um, <laughs> if you, if you're Anakin and you can like successfully kill Obi-Wan, um, it shows you like a clip of, of like how that would look. And th- like he successfully does the, the jump, gets the high ground, kills Obi-Wan, and then the Emperor comes to him and, and he kills the Emperor. And then yeah. he's like, it's my empire. And it's like very <laughs> realistic. And it was, yeah, it's very cool to see. I mean, in that situation, Anakin has his whole body. One of the things that, mm. that I often think about is that uh, Darth Vader is a limited Sith. Like, yes. even if he were to kill the Emperor and move on, his half robotic body keeps him away from certain Force abilities. This is what one thing I really like as well is that um, in the movies, uh, and especially the new ones, they've been very because in the computer games you know you got Darth Vader mm-hmm. like jumping doing forced jumps and all that shit like that's just not realistic like as you said he is a limited Jedi he's robotic like he and and it doesn't matter like Rogue One Kenobi mm-hmm. he's always grounded he has a yeah. lot of power that he uses but 
he's still grounded and he's still robotic and you know it's it's very much like that and it's it's consistent with when you get to the original trilogy you know he's it's all consistent like he would be limited in in his abilities and it's also interesting as well like there's a lot of um people doing his bidding um which is interesting and i feel that a lot of it is to do with that because he's limited i mean in spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen kenobi okay um (laughs) you've seen kenobi right yeah i am caught up right cool good um so obviously darth vader spends most or anakin spends most of his time in the back to tank and i can't help but feel that that's by design in order to kind of illustrate just how broken he is and how mm-hmm. as darth vader he might seem like this presence pre- you know menacing um terrifying character that's all powerful but actually darth vader is not actually that powerful like he is powerful to you know like any untrained uh, uh jedis or whatever and for the most part he can defeat a lot of them but like the major jedi like the really powerful ones like you know obi-wan or whoever like yeah they they can't they can't he he can't defeat them i mean even obi-wan he didn't defeat him um obi-wan did exactly what qui-gon did he became one with the force and made himself force disappear or whatever um Mm -hmm. and luke was able to defeat him because he was flawed because there was still light in him and everything but also because he was broken and old by that point it would have been like 30 years of being in that or 20 years or however long yeah. of being in that you know that that suit yeah and it's it's got to be tiring like i've i've i i know the books aren't really considered canon anymore but screw it like when they describe what it's like being in in the um in the suit apparently it's like torturous for him tiring um he doesn't He's constantly in fear, anxiety, angry, you know, so it's like just tiring and... I don't know if if this is still one of his abilities, but way back in the day, he was credited with having battle meditation, uh, which is a force ability that both Jedi and Sith can use, where he essentially projects his feelings outwards. And... I think I am a whiny brat that hates sand. Pretty much. I am a whiny brat that hates sand. <laughs> and everyone no, is like, oh, sand. I just, sand sucks. And, and it's when you watch Rogue so One, course, which is one yeah. of my favorites of them all, mm. you see a, a hallway full of terrified rebel troopers desperately trying to escape. And that is proof that he's pushing fear outwards. And then one movie later, granted, we are we are going back 30 years to a time when technology wasn't there. But if you're like me and you like to rationalize things in your head, when mature Obi-Wan Kenobi is facing off with Darth Vader, he does not feel that fear. So Darth Vader cannot come in and just swing his lightsaber and wail away because he does not have that force ability to intimidate and scare the person who he is facing. Um, And so instead we see two old men trying to still hold their lightsabers, fighting each other. I'll I'll add to this. I think he's afraid of Obi-Wan. I'll agree with that. And so he's he's tentative. So that's why he doesn't fully go for it because he's unsure. And what we're now discovering with the law that's now being added is that um, 
he lost his he lost the the major battle in revenge of the sith you know he got chopped up into pieces and if you really think about it yeah yeah he becomes as if he, he goes under the emperor's wing and everything and he becomes full on dark side but he's like obi-wan took everything from him he, he made him mm -hmm. less of what he was so you're, you're of course going to be scared about the person who did that to you what if they do it to yeah. you again you know it's just like a rational thinking thing and in kenobi um again spoilers <laughs> this is okay. what episode two <laughs> this is oh, no i think it's three. three yeah so in episode three you see i mean it's just like an i don't even know what to call it like a, a scuffle let's call it a scuffle mm -hmm. uh and i i loved it very poetic um the, the, Darth Vader does exactly what Obi did to him but like in a very kind of pissy emo way where it's not quite yeah. the same thing but it, it was cool it was, it was really cool um not not disparaging it by any means but like when you see it it's like clearly like he's trying to recreate the same thing but doesn't work um but it illustrates the point that Obi-Wan is not uh quite where he was you know he's been out of practice mm -hmm. and training and Darth Vader um makes reference to that he says that uh but at the same time he's still tentative i think that's one of the reasons why he doesn't move on on obi-wan because that was really interesting where he was there and the fire was there it's like he could have very easily gotten around and just killed obi-wan why doesn't he yeah because i think he's nervous he's not 100 percent sure he you know maybe it's a trap yeah, like, it's been 12 years since they have seen each other like is this obi-wan who has continued training and is very powerful and can win this fight? Is he feigning? Is he pretending to be weak and scared and losing? You, you know, know? And I'll add another thing to this as well, which I just thought of. Maybe there's a hesitance for him to kill Obi-Wan because his hatred for Obi-Wan is like the single thing keeping him going. Yeah, it could be his link to the dark yeah. side. It is it's like, it's like, what, power. not just that, but if Obi-Wan dies, what does he have to live for? Yeah, who else I mean, is there to hate? Yeah, yeah I mean, it, I suppose, because that's his whole existence and, and everything that you see him um, throughout everything, the games, the books, everything, it all talks about his hatred for everyone and everything. And it's, it's very interesting to see. Um, yeah. And I think they're doing a really good job with this. Um, I was I was really amazed by the bit where you see Anakin in the robe. I hope they do more of that stuff. That's yeah. that's really cool. Oh. There's a there's a thing on YouTube. I um I'm gonna get it all wrong. It might be scene 38 or something like that. It's a short video, but essentially, some visual effect artists wanted to reshoot the uh, Obi Wan versus Darth Vader fight from A New Hope. Oh, I've seen and, it, uh, yeah. Oh, it's so dope. <laughs> and it just makes me think, like, maybe we're ready to have the original trilogy remade. <laughs> like, you I know, <laughs> I thought about this. Um, you've got younger actors. I mean, you've got the guy that played Solo. Mm -hmm. You could recast... Um, Sebastian Stan could do Luke Skywalker. I mean, there's options. Oh man, he would um, be a good Luke. I mean, he's getting a bit older now, and I, I want to see a Luke who looks like he's 17. Maybe Timothy Chalamet. He looks like a child. <laughs> I just think, I think it would be brilliant. It'd be different, but I also mm -hmm. think that there'd be a massive backlash, and that's why they yes. haven't done it. And 
I think that's kind of silly because things change and the original movies were made at a time, as you said, like they're still amazing. I think, I mean, they still mm-hmm. use practical effects to this day. They still use models, yeah. and stuff, which is, I think that's brilliant. But um, <sighs> reboots have to happen every once in a while. So you can introduce things to a new generation and there's only so I much. I agree with that. Once you've done the Kenobi stuff and, you know, there's only so many stories you can do that actually include like Darth Vader, which is such a powerful, interesting villain. But then there's a lot of arguments that people have, which I agree to, where they say, well, we're kind of done with the Anakin Skywalker story. It's been done. And it's yeah. like, that's fair enough. And it is. Um, I think there's talks about there being an old Republic movie and stuff. And so there's there's a lot of cool stuff they could do. But yeah, I, I mean, I'd be open to that. I think that mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see. And um, there's a lot they could do with it. And there's all these actors that could do it. And it's they could do it differently. They could change things oh, as yeah. well. That's another thing. You um, know, they could they could change it in a way that actually cares about continuity. Um, right. As much as I love Star Wars, I mean, just like I'm, gonna, I'm always going to come back to Taoism. But just like Taoism, you just have to be flexible with it because there is no continuity. There is very little consistency. Uh, and even within the first trilogy, by the time you get to the third movie, Luke is like, you told me that Darth Vader killed my father. Well, he, he kind of did if, in a certain point of view. Well, like... I will say what, with, with that, though, they, they salvaged that quite well. Because yeah. while it was a bizarre thing for Obi-Wan to say, it's kind of true. Like his father was... In a certain point of view. Yeah, <laughs> and that's is... kind of all of Star Wars. The, the biggest, pro- the biggest problem like... with... The biggest problem in the original series, there's two problems, I find. Well, three. Uh, one, Han shot first. I don't care what you say. Han yes, shot first. He's a, he's a ruthless killer. And it's yep. cool. So yep. Han, Han shot first. Secondly, That's what makes his change so great by the end of the movies. Because now he cares about these little teddy bears. Like, this was the dude who shot first. This was the the there looks guy. Adorable little teddy bear. <laughs> like I used to be a cold blooded killer, yeah, but then now I'm cuddling. <laughs> I like cuddles. <laughs> um, no, so like you're, uh, yeah, your other two things. Sorry. Right, so so that Leia um, kisses her brother, and then we mm-hmm. find out later that she knows she's always known that yeah. that's her brother. Okay, so right, so and why then did you oh, do that? So oh, apparently she knew. Had um, her mother uh, for for quite yeah. years. Yeah, I have her mother, even though images, her mother died at birth. Flashes, yeah. It, so consistency and continuity have never been uh, front of mind when making a Star War, but that's its charm. You know, it's you're getting a story that is its own story. And it's going to contradict with other stories. And, you know, it's no Marvel. Like, I, I dig Marvel because continuity seems to be a big deal in the MCU. Uh, but Disney has not applied that formula to Star Wars. And maybe they will in the future. And if they do, I might enjoy it in, a, in that way. But for now, I just kind of have to... Uh, forget about everything I saw in the past and be like, oh yeah, Darth Vader, he's a character that exists. Now let's see what he does in this story. You know, because it may be completely contradictory to what I have seen in previous stories. 
Um, and frankly, the thing that got me there was uh, the animated series, The Clone Wars. Uh, there was a two-part episode where at the end of part one, the, the Republic wins. But then at the beginning of part two, they're talking about how the Republic lost. And it's the same story, but they, they had to end every episode with a happy ending because it's a cartoon for Cartoon Network. And you gotta, you know, these kids can't handle the bad guys winning. So we'll just change the story in the next episode to say bad guys won. So how are the good guys gonna win this time? And I rationalize that in my head by saying, what if these are stories from various clone troopers? Mm. And this is just how they're remembering it. And their memories are going to be contradictory. And frankly, they're going to be wrong. But this is what they remember. And someone is telling us their version of that story. And then we'll hear the next version of someone else's story. And it might contradict, but we weren't there. We're just getting stories from other people who were. You, you weren't know? there, man. You weren't yeah, there. Yeah, I, I didn't see those turbo lasers firing down on us. <laughs> I just want to switch things up. And, you know, you, you spoke about how important Taoism is to you. Let's explore that a little bit. So how did you get into it and why does it mean so much to you? So about 15 years ago, um, I was... Uh, I was a hardcore Baptist and I thought I wanted to be a youth minister. Um, I, I wanted ministry to be a part of my life. I went to a private college um, and I realized I was not getting any support from home, like uh, ministers or friends, anyone who I was just wanting to get advice from or just chat with uh the fact that i was now out of state seemed to communicate to them that i was no longer a part of their lives um and i so instead i started listening to people who were around me and uh you know even going to a christian school you will hear people challenge christianity um and and I started to think maybe I shouldn't have this literal view of what Christianity means. So I started to move more into um, agnosticism, where I, I was like, I just don't know the answer. I'm pretty sure it's this way, but I don't know. And someone was like, oh, you're agnostic. You would love the Tao Te Ching. Um, and they gave me this copy it's the stephen mitchell version that i've had for like 15 years it's all like gross and grody on the pages because i'm always opening it and reading it <laughs> and there was this line where uh they said the wise man <clears throat> the wise man hears the Tao and accepts it immediately the average man hears the Tao and thinks about it but allows it to pass over his head uh and the fool hears the Tao and laughs out loud. And for a while, I was like, well, I need to be the wise man. I need to be the one who accepts it immediately. But 15 years of study has shown me that the one we need to be following is the fool, the person who doesn't know anything, the person who doesn't perceive anything and hears these lessons and goes, that's kind of true. I like that. That is the hero of Taoism, is the person who is removed themselves. So 
uh, I got into it because I was at a spiritual crisis. And as I have told many people many times, it is not a religion. It's barely spiritualism. Like it is trying to grow your spirit as it were, but there's nothing in there that tells you what's going to happen when you die. There's nothing that tells you how to save your soul. There's barely reference to uh, you having a soul. It's more of an issue of saying, let's imagine that whatever force is in the universe is bigger than we imagined it to be. And that was my entry point. I was like, well, I believe in a pretty big God. Uh, so what if the God I believed in was even bigger than that? And that was kind of my entryway into saying, <laughs> this dogma limits my view of God. Therefore, I don't accept this dogma anymore because it's, it's no longer serving uh, an, a truly infinite version of God. Does that make sense? So, so just, you know, little bits by little bits. Um, eventually, I, I stopped believing in the concept of God altogether. And yet I still think that there is some kind of infinite force behind all of this. I don't know if it is a quote unquote God. I don't even know if it's intelligent. I just know that there is a reflection of me all throughout the universe. And I see it when I look around, you know, uh, and that to me is tr proof that, that I should be trying to improve my spiritual oneness with the world because the world has already proven to me that I am a reflection of it. So that's kind of where, where I'm at. <laughs> what would you say are the biggest lessons or takeaways from Taoism that you've discovered? So, um, there's there are many but the ones that i love the most are uh removing desires and perception um i made a video a while ago where i said that desires are poison um we get it in our heads that we would want to do a thing but we get it in our heads that we want to do that thing because we have an expectation of what the results will be you know um to be frank, when I agreed to do the podcast with you, I had it in my head that the results would be maybe more people would follow me on TikTok and Twitch and, and maybe I would start <laughs> to expand my audience. But as we started talking, I was like, oh no, this is much better if I'm not trying to grow my audience, if I'm just having a good conversation with a cool dude, <laughs> you know? Oh, thank you. I mean, so, um, I would just say on a, on a side note, like I wish it was that way. I, I've apologized to many of my guests because, you know, many of them have um, wanted to, well, I know that the reason they appear on my show is maybe to, to reach a new audience or whatever. And yeah, I mean, exposure I just, is is what we're all dealing that's, that's in just not days. something I, I can offer <laughs> I, I can give you a good yeah. interview a good conversation and but unfortunately i, I don't have a big following or, or anything like that but and know, that's that living is. in the moment if you get rid of the desire for the results that you think you want and you do a thing because it's the thing that you are wanting to do right you will be surprised by the results and so getting rid of your desires is a way to appreciate the surprise that comes from life. Um, 
You audition for a role with the uh, expectation that you will either get the role or you will get rejected. And maybe something in the middle happens. Maybe you didn't get the role, but you met someone who was like, hey, I've got this other part that I was thinking about you for. You had no idea that that was even a possibility going into this situation. And if your desires are all wrapped up in got to get the role, got to get this part, you're closing yourself off to the possibility of other things coming in. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that Taoism says early is get rid of your desires, but then it never says don't do the things you want to do. It says do them because you want to do them. You know, they talk about athletes and they say that the best athletes are the ones who want to compete with opponents who are at the top of their game not because they want to beat someone who is the best but because they have a love of the activity and they want everyone to be at the top of their game they don't want to deflate footballs because that will let them win another super bowl like that's not Taoism. That's terrible. So abandoning desires is, is one of the first things to do. The second thing to do is to be holy yourself. And this is where I am. Well, I'm struggling with all of them. I mean, come on, nobody's perfect. But they, they break it down into being excellent. Um, you just, well, they don't say be excellent, but they essentially say do what is natural to you. And because it was natural to you, Others will look at it and say, this person is amazing. This person is so good at this thing. But all you were doing was what was natural. You know, you did it like breathing. And that's the concept of being excellent. Uh, and then finally, um, accepting limitations, uh, whether that be that, you know, things end, people die, or just accepting the fact that you cannot do everything. When you can accept that there are limits, you are able to look around and find alternate paths. You know, if you look at a river, a river doesn't stop when it hits a rock. It doesn't hit that rock and go, oh, how are we gonna get through this? It moves around it, it flows, it goes whichever way it needs to go because there are going to be things that will limit you in life. You can either get hung up on those things or just move on. Um, and so, you know, those are probably the three big tenets, uh, be desireless, be excellent, and be gone. Um, but there are other things like, uh, I'm going to get it wrong. I think it's way, woo way. It essentially means action through inaction. Um, it says, stop trying to meddle and get involved in everything and instead do the most natural thing to do. And if the most natural thing to do is nothing, congrats, you did it. Accept that doing nothing was the correct answer. <laughs> and, and that's a thing that people have a lot of trouble with. <laughs> um, and then another thing that, that people often get hung up on is self-reliance. We live in a capitalistic society where you have to have money to live. Uh, and so self-reliance sounds like find a way to make money, but what it really means is accepting who you are. Um, and that's a very hard thing to do, you know, saying, all right, this is where my limitations end. And now I need to go look for help. I, I need to be able to say, okay, this, this is as far as I can go. 
but I bet someone else can do more and going with that. I'm a big fan of the uh, the Walking Dead and the Fear the De- uh, Walking Dead TV shows. And I uh, bring this up because I feel like one thing that doesn't, or at least I've not seen discussed, is how on the nose they are about like human nature and what we're like. And the inter- and there's going to be spoilers. Have, have you listened? I've not watched them? it, but I did read one of the comic books. So, okay, okay. <laughs> so I might have some knowledge. I just won't know all the what, what I will say is, I'll try not to give too many spoilers, but what I'll say is that they reflect everything from society trying to claw back what it once had and, and what that would look like to, you know, just living in a kind of a lawless state and what that looks like and, you know, killing versus choosing not to kill. And I, I, and I'm still in the midst of finishing off uh, Fear the Walking Dead at the moment. And it's, to me, it's a really accurate representation of um, the good, the bad and the ugly of humanity. You know, mm-hmm. that, you, that you can have a side of humanity and heroism in dark times, but also that dark times breed der- uh, terrible deeds and that, you know, sometimes a good person can do bad things and vice versa. Yeah, and I, I think that is very true. Um, and one of the things that I didn't mention uh, from Taoism, because it's a hard subject, is the, you know, removing perceptions because when you name something as good, you create bad. Um, the symbol that most people associate with Taoism is the yin yang. And they look at it as two half circles connected, whereas the Tao is the whole circle. It is both the good and the evil. Um, it, it's the hurricane and it's the quiet summer days. Like it's, it's everything and nothing all at once. And so, you know, a lot of times, and this is the thing that I struggle with the most because I live in America and we have a crazy political system right now. And it's tempting to look at what some people are doing and saying, those are bad actions. Those are evil actions. And in my gut, they are definitely nothing that I would do personally. But at the same time, they are being done. And I could either sit here and, and wail at the fact that, that nothing changes and everything is evil, or I could accept that things happen and I, I need to be flexible and change with the world. And the way that I would rather change is in a way that, that accepts um, more kindness and projects more um, you know, goodness onto others. What I define as good. Uh, there's a, a verse in the Tao that says, when a person is good to me, I am good to them. When a person is bad to me, I am good to them. That way, in all things I do, I am spreading goodness. I'm only responsible for myself. I cannot change the actions of the politicians in charge. I can write as many letters as I want. They ain't, they ain't gonna listen to me. Uh, so instead, I, I just gotta try to be nice to the people I interact with. You know, kindness is free. So I, I should really use it up. <laughs> Completely agree. Um, let's switch up some final few questions for you. What's the best advice you've ever received? Hmm. Um, that's a really good question. 
because I've received a lot of terrible advice throughout my life. Um, you know, I'd say probably one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got was uh, not to speak, was to just listen. Um, and I, you know, there's a lot of malicious compliance with that where I will go to a meeting and just be silent from minute one to minute last. But when I'm taking it at heart, when I am doing what, what the actual advice is, it is usually doing the math and saying I have two ears and one mouth, so I should listen twice as much as I speak. Uh, and in a conversation with, with people, I, I try not to... Uh, see, this is hard because we've been talking for, what, two hours? About, <laughs> and so it's hard to be like, I try not to speak too much. But genuinely, in most social interactions, I, I really just want to listen and, and take it all in. Um, if the spotlight falls on me, I'm going to try to perform because that's my training. But when there's no spotlight, usually I'm just quietly listening and trying to understand where people are coming from. So I guess the, the best advice that I ever got was to do the math and realize I have two ears and one mouth. Great stuff. What's the biggest life lesson you've learned so far? Uh, to accept myself, I'm not there all the way. There are many things that I would love to change about myself, but on my best days, those are the days when I look at myself as a complete person who belongs here, who has a place on, you know, this physical plane and I should accept that and be happy with the fact that I am here experiencing now. You know, there's no guarantee that I'll get to experience tomorrow. And I definitely can't experience yesterday, but I got right now. And that's pretty dope. Amazing stuff. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you, Sammy, and getting to know you and sharing a bit of your story. Um, just want to say a massive thank you for appearing on the show. Oh, Christian, I am so glad that you invited me. This was one of the best conversations I've had in a long time. So I, I am genuinely grateful to have had this chat. Do you have any uh, upcoming projects or final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, I got back into streaming on Twitch. Same Woo! username, B Sammy Davis. I'm doing it four nights a week. I'm a variety streamer. So on those four nights a week, it's a different game. Uh, I would love to have you guys following me on TikTok because that's that's kind of my main jam. Um, I have a few things that I'm working on, but I, I never like to tell people what the projects are because I might hate it <laughs> and it might change. Um, but you know, I I I have found that where my life was the last time my life was at its lowest. When I threw myself into Taoism, I learned a lot about myself and was surprised at the results of what happened. So I'm kind of doing the same thing again. Uh, I have a second TikTok channel called The Novice Taoist, um, uh, which I think is kind of funny because, you know, if you're talking about an infinite thing, I'm always going to be the novice and that's perfect. <laughs> I, would, I would prefer to never be called the master because that means I did something wrong. Um, but, uh, with that, I'm also working on some writings that, 
that I might put on the internet, but I might keep them just for me. They might just be my own thing. So, so that's what I can say about projects. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I wish you the best of luck with, with everything. And once again, thank you so much for appearing on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. It was my pleasure. And to all the listeners of the Christian Reed podcast, as always, be safe, be well, and I'll see you in the next one.